Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hello and welcome to Following on County Cricketer. Uh, We're back after a hiatus. It's August and there's no first class cricket. So uh, we stopped recording the show for the best part of four weeks. But uh, that hasn't stopped Nick Friend from travelling up and down the country. He's been watching the 100. He's been watching the 50 over cup. He's probably watching kids play cricket on Tooting Common when he walks past. Who knows? We'll find out very shortly. Uh, George DeBell is still away. Uh, and Harmy has uh, been playing a lot of golf and, and drinking some beer as well. It's been, uh, what if I've got a bit of a tan. Uh, I've been in Spain. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? The Australian journalists at the end of July couldn't believe it. Essentially, it's the height of summer and all the cricket journalists, apart from Nick Friend, are going on holiday. But there you are. We are back. As I say, thanks for listening to the show on TalkSport 2 or via the following on podcast feed. It's myself, John Norman, Steve Harmson and Nick Friend. Uh, and we're going to be looking back. We're going to be looking forward. You're listening to Following On County Cricketer. Okay, perception is everything. We all know that. I think we'll all agree with that. And it seems to me, guys, you might disagree with this, but perception surrounding the 100 seems to have changed in the 10 days that I was away. Because when I left, everybody was talking about the weather and the fact that nobody, any good was playing in it. I come back and suddenly every article I read is uh, trumpeting an 8% rise in uh, TV, increases in attendance, 21%. Increase in merchandise sales. That's probably just from when I took my son Franklin to his first game at the Oval. He's been wearing his Oval Invincibles cap ever since. But at the same time as a rise in all those figures for the for the hundred, seems to me there's been a rise for cricket figures everywhere. Cricket is in a ridiculously healthy state, isn't it? That was certainly my. I mean, not the healthy state, but but my perception of say being all over the shop in the last month and both the hundred and one day cup stuff was was very much that really and. I wrote a piece before the, I guess just before August, really. I call it the coexistence of the two. I mean, I guess ever since 2019, ever since it became apparent what was going to happen to August, there's been this real desire for conflict between traditional county cricket fans and and, and people who've pushed the case of the hundreds, and I guess everyone in between. And this felt like the first year where, frankly, everyone sort of got over themselves a bit and accepted that, A, that it's all cricket, and look, there'll be, there's still people staunch on both sides, people who are firmly in favour of what the 100 has done for a new audience. And look, when you're there at the Oval, and there are 25,000 people there cheering on a tie between 
Home Invincibles and Welsh Fire, and you can hear a, a drastically different, almost tone in the and style to the, you know, to the to the crowds. Just almost that sort of that harm is replaced by a, by something. That I, and I'm not, you know, that, that I genuinely haven't heard at Blast Games. There is absolutely a difference. There is absolutely an enormous number of kids queuing for autographs afterwards. Yeah, sure, it's not the first time autographs been signed, but there is absolutely a difference in the vibe, and it is absolutely doing. It's definitely doing that job. I mean, you know, we, we've talked before about the, the job it's done for the women's game and, and frankly how it is far beyond any numbers that could be, you know, reeled off by the ECB at the end of the tournament. Or, but to throw that over to the one-day cup stuff, I mean, I've been at New Road for sellouts. I've been, I was at Grace Road for the semi-final team, Leicester and Gloucester, for, I don't know if it was a sellout, but it was the best crowd I've ever seen at Grace Road. The grounds have not been a huge amount, but it wasn't just the crowd, it was the, the manner of it, how vociferous it was, how... Quite how tribal it was. Gloucester had brought quite a good contingent as well. I mean, Leicester build it's their biggest game more than a decade, and Gloucester would build it as the biggest game since what well, they were last finals day 2020, and they were they won the Royal London 2015. But but it really feels like that competition, particularly this year, has taken on a real acceptance among county members. People who couldn't get their head around the idea of not having some of their best players available, perhaps in 2021, 2022, now look at this competition as for the small counties, or for the less wealthy counties. Was a great opportunity to win something on a level playing field, and for the big, for some of the wealthier counties, those who do it very, very well, like Hampshire, who managed to compete, got to the semis last year, and will probably be favourites going into the final this year. Um, Warwickshire, who had a very good competition, but then got blown away by Hampshire in the semis, despite losing a lot of their squads. And then you've got the other side of it. You've got your Somersets, who were who were very young and were pretty developmental with it, but still have very good crowds at Taunton. The general view is that. A successful England team, an exciting English cricket summer, means that when you hit August, regardless of the cricket that's played, people want to go and watch it. And the 100, I think, has been building up like this because of the marketing and because the fans has brought in the last couple of years. But certainly, the, you know, I, you could put me in front of any cricket and I'd enjoy it. But I think the one-day cup has been really, really good this year. And that's partly because some counts have realised the opportunity it provides in terms of winning and investing in overseas players, specifically for the comp a chance to save seasons in some cases with a good run, a chance for some really good individual success, a chance for the, for the odd young lads come in. Uh, but equally, even the developmental side has been overblown, I think. You know, I, I asked Ollie Hannah Dalby last week, who's the highest wicket taker in the competition, what sort of said as a joke, like, you just nicking off kids. And he laughed, said, you accused me of just alphering all the young lads. And sort of said, like, you know, was, was that, that is the perception of this competition. But actually, you go away and look at Hannah Dalby's competition. He's taken 24 wickets at about 13. Two of them were teenagers, and one of those teenagers was James Rue, who, if we believe everything, is Bradman reincarnate. So I think perception has changed massively in that actually what you've got now is two competitions that are coexisting, accepting that two competitions can exist at the same time. And sure, that won't be that won't be good enough for some people, but as someone who's been around the country and has watched both in the last month, it's felt like a massive step forward. Could it be, Harmy, that we've somehow stumbled upon a formula where essentially... The families go to the 100. The purists go to see the one-day cup in outgrounds. And actually, people outside of the urban areas. The rich people go to the tests. The beer drinkers go to see the T20 blast. Or is it just that this is a summer that's had the best Ashes series in 20-odd years, which has attracted lots more uh, cricket fans throughout August? We've had a bumper Ashes series, of course, which has attracted lots of fans throughout July and uh, June as well. And there's been no football tournament which has left the schedule clear. Fast forward to next year, you're going to have a Euros, you're going to have an Olympics, you're going to have the Test game moving in on August. 
So is it just a golden summer or actually have we kind of hit upon a formula that kind of works as well as any that is ever going to work when you consider there's four different tournaments taking place? I think you can say there's a little bit of, of a lot of that is true. I think what I keep getting is people want to talk to me about the 100, but I also get them talking about the 100 in the same breath as the next question is, well, were we unlucky not to win the Ashes? And I think the Ashes was the big, having the Ashes when they had it and how the Ashes went, every single cricket. And I think you can you can go to grassroots. If you go to your local club side, you could ask the participation by young kids. You know, Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoons when first team, second team, third 11 are playing, there'll be more kid, more people at your cricket club walking around, you know, having a, having a beer, watching it and letting their kids play on the side of the field. I think there's been a knock-on effect from the Ashes. I'm not saying the Ashes is why people are going to watch the 50 overcomp or going to the 100. I just think cricket in general has been on the front and centre of everything that's going. So I think that is the starting block. I think the 100's been better. I have had a negative outlook of the 100 over the course of the last two years. It's been brilliant over two years to bring in new people into the and wider audience into the game, seeing the crowds and the advertising and everything that's going with it. I believe that if the money that went into marketing 100 had gone into marketing an 18 tournament, T20 tournament, I think we would have had a better product. I don't believe that if we had marketed all that money into the 18 county blasts, we would have had a better blast. I think we need to keep the franchise system. I think we need to keep the eight teams. I'd like it to go back to T20. I think why the 100's been better is possibly the players are learning how to play a little bit better in the format. But I also think, I don't think we've had the biggest stars that we could possibly have, but we've had some quick bowlers. And I think that changes the dynamics of all cricket. When you've got quick bowlers on show, I think it makes for better cricket. And I think for me and the games I've watched and enjoyed this year, I think there's been more fast bowlers on show and not dibbly-dobbers as you get whacked out of the park. And I think there's been a contest between bat and ball in this 100, uh, this 100 series. I'm not really that bothered if white ball cricket dominates August because I'd rather play in batches of, you can concentrate on red ball cricket, then let's have some white ball games. Let's have some red ball cricket because I think the continuity of, of the way you practice and you play from a player's point of view. But I also look at the, the 50 over competition and Nick was talking about competitions coexisting. Well, next year we're going to have that as well because we're going to have a World Cup in the middle of summer next year. And that is going to be, I, I don't think anybody's you know, realised what that's going to entail with players going off and missing and, and contracts. Some of the directors of cricket will be worried about who's contracting and the financial parts of it and who's going what, where, and what's going to be missing. So I think next year, in the middle of the summer, I think there's some tough decisions for counties to make. So I think all in all, I think it's been a great year for the English cricket. The one thing I will say, Leicester Hampshire are not going to get a chance to play in the Lord's final. And I played golf with Otis Gibson a couple of days ago, and we talked about when Durham got to the French Provident final. And I missed out because I was injured. I couldn't play. But to have a final at Lord's for for anybody is so, so special. And if you're going to, so and it's not a demotion of the 50 over comp because I think that obviously teams, counties have, have, have utilised it better this year with more senior players playing in it, especially batters. And that's why we've had a better competition. But if you're going to have a competition that has to be played at Lords, the final has to be played at Lords. 
Leicester and, and Hampshire have worked so hard to get to 50 over competition final. That final has to be played at Lords. And that for me is the next step in that competition. If you ask the counties to, to look at it and play it properly, you have to have give the, the meaningful ending it, it deserves, which is a chance for somebody who will never ever get a chance to play at Lords in front of 25,000 people. That for me is the, is the is the sort of gold pot at the end of the rainbow. And that for me is something that that competition needs to change. But I mean, I, against that, I mean, I saw I just quoted this back um, to Elizabeth Botchby actually on the cricket a couple of weeks ago. Two, I guess there are two things on it. Firstly, it's not been played in front of 25,000 people at Lords for years. Remember when Somerset beat Hampshire Lords, there were stand, you know, there were massive bits of the stand that are empty. And that was when this was the blue ribbon 50 over event. It's now a competition that has a different, slightly different meaning that is being, and we're in at the stage where we're trying to diversify the game, try and move the game actually out of just being every, everything leads to Lords. It's already got the 100 final. It's already got, it's already got the men's 100 final. It's already got the women's 100 final. No one has ever won the blast and gone, geez, I wish it was, in, you know, I wish I'd won the St. John's Wood and not, and not Birmingham. Like, I, I don't get that. You know, I, I get that it was a massive thing, but when it, was a, when it was a massive thing, it was a massive thing. It was the thing. It was it was the biggest day, biggest day in the domestic calendar. 50 over final, whether we like it or not, is best case scenario, the third biggest day in the domestic calendar, possibly the fourth behind the eliminator for the 100 as well. So uh, I think playing the final, uh, and also, and I don't think this is an unpopular view, Lords is not a very good place to play white ball cricket. You know, you've only come to watch Middlesex play every year. You very rarely play on a central wicket. Um, I was just on the World Cup final a few years ago. It's not always great decks, white ball cricket. Trent Bridge is a very good 50-over venue. It's smaller, which actually is, frankly, better for the, you know, look, you end up with Leicestershire v Hampshire in the final. Would those two counties sell 30,000 tickets? They just wouldn't. And they wouldn't if both counties were at full strength. Um, and of course, they are allowed to be at full strength if they want to be in the final. I, I'd be surprised if they were. But the Lords thing made sense when it made sense. I, I don't think it would make sense now. It's And frankly, if guys can only get, uh, and I, I don't believe that guys need the, the carrot of a Lords final to get themselves up. You know, I know how gutty the Gloucestershire lads were, for example, to miss out. And the last thing, you know, they will care about where they're playing the day before they play the game. So, yeah, but, but I'm talking from a, a player's point of view. You would know a cup final in football. It wouldn't be the same if it wasn't at Wembley. No, but sure, sure. No, you I, have I, any, I any, any cricket tournament in anywhere in the world yeah. So the World Cup I, I, final I, I always that, be at not... If you had a final, if you had a final in Australia, it would always be at the MCG. But from a player's point of view, to tick off at a box in your career, Nick Friend, you got a chance to play for Middlesex in a final. I think it would be a lot more special playing. Well, not so much Middlesex because you would play at the whole time. But <laughs> no, if you I, know what I mean, you know, I know what I mean. I do, I do mean. I, and I think that for me is what that's the that's the sort of ticking a box in your career that yeah, I, played in a Lords final, and that's what. That's what I think Otis was meaning when he he, he said it a I, couple of weeks ago. And I think that was I, a conversation I had it. I get it. I just think that I would get it more if I thought Lords was going to be... I remember asking Heather Knight this. In fact, it was when it was first announced that the Ashley played at the, the major men's test venues. And said to her, you know, obviously it's great you're playing. It's great it's going to be at Lords and the Oval and Edgebaston, et cetera, and whatever else. But the most important thing now is that you sell tickets, right? Because otherwise, do you want to play in front of... 3,000 people at Chelmsford or do you want 3,000 people at Lords? And as I say, that's a that's an extreme example because Chelmsford is the capacity is smaller. But point being, optically, on the day, 15,000 people at Trent Bridge is going to look an awful lot more full than 15,000 people at Lords, which means you're not opening half the, half the ground 
And that really, ballpark figure, last couple of years, is what you're looking at for the final. I think it's a worse look for English cricket if, for the sake of having it at Lords, you have it at Lords in front of a half-empty stadium and say, yeah, this is our big competition. Whereas if you hold it at Trent Bridge, 15,000 people is three quarters, 80% full, and it's just a better look. And for the sake of that competition, I think it needs a good look because it has been pretty embattled for the last couple of years. Can I go back to a point you made earlier on, Nick, when you said that there was a, a guttural feel to the 100 match that you saw, the, the match between the Oval Invincibles and mm. Welsh Fire ended in a tie, because that for me is, uh, is yeah. a key point. So I've been to see a lot of T20 cricket at the Oval, and it felt more often than not that I was the only one watching the cricket. You know, it really attracted a post-work crowd. And I remember watching Surrey play Middlesex, maybe, I can't quite remember. Um, and he used to have massive crowds. I remember Surrey Gloucestershire would have 20,000 on a Wednesday night. I mean, when I see the numbers and the crowds for the 100, I don't think they're any different to what the Blast would have got. In fact, the Blast probably would have got more. Either way, I remember going to see many, many games where I would be invested in the cricket. I'd be, I'd be there with some friends or whoever. And Surrey would take a wicket and I would leap up because I'm a Surrey fan. And I would almost feel a little bit, like, not quite embarrassed because, you know, it's the Oval, it's my my home but I would be very aware that there were people around me who were just not watching the cricket now when I took my son to his first Oval Invincibles game I, I was trying to work out whether there was a different feel to the game I, I and I struggle I couldn't quite work it out but essentially I remember going to see T with 20 games on a Sunday and they had a very different feel 2.30 start very family orientated mm. um, and then I go see a, a, a more of a beer, beer drinking after work crowd or T20 game on a Wednesday or so. So I think the family feel has existed at T20 cricket at weekend games. But what I'm interested in is, has it actually attracted a more tribal element to the game, i.e. these Oval Invincible fans that were at at Lords for the final? I think that they were possibly, maybe because they're kids and they're wearing the, the, the kit more, but when Surrey were at the T20 fi- finals day, there was no noticeable Surrey element, really. But suddenly I'm watching the Oval Invincibles at 100 final, and there was a massive Oval Invincibles. I, part. I think do, you, that... do you think that there's, do you think that, because that's one of the things they've talked about, that there's a parochialism now in the game in the, in the three years. Do you think that is something that is actually happening? Yeah, and I think it was going to take a bit of time because you, mm, you, you, you can't create tribalism in year one. I think one of the criticisms in year one and year two was that it hadn't done that. But that was quite a short-sighted criticism because you're never going to create no. tribal instinct in But do you see one. it growing? Yeah, well, this is what I mean. And I actually think when Harvey was talking before about the the reason that Harvey's better, I think one of the reasons, I think another reason it's better is because new fans are increasingly used to their, their players. I think one of the real frustrations in the draft, actually, was when Kate Cross, and it was used by, you can use it both ways, but I think it was a shame when Kate Cross left Manchester Originals for Northern Superchargers. It's actually, you're trying to design a really, mm. you're, you're trying to design a clear brand and then you lose the player who's you know, yeah. the most Mancunian player in that team yeah. to the, to the big rivals. They played it quite well, I think, in, in, in that, you know, that, you know, like, yeah, sure, it's a bit manufactured as a draft, but, but bringing the Mancunian to, to the Yorkshire team effectively is, um, you know, they, they played on that well, but, it, but, it cannot. And Matt Roller wrote a very good piece to begin for, although not specifically about, the, I guess, this nuance of the point, but how Tom Moody on on, dra- on the first draft night had 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 signed both currents for Old Mintables in year one. 
and here they are year three being basically the two dominant figures in the, in the team these two brothers who play for the local team that can only help you know Sam Billings I think I'm right saying has been the captain of Oval Invincibles for all three years so this has worked at some teams better than others granted but um, we can go back to the first draft when everyone t- everyone raised their eyebrows when Dane Vilas went to the originals for all that money but Manchester as a single t- as a single county team did look at it and think well He's our captain. He's like captain. You know, we're trying to be recognisable. And if I remember correctly, they'd already lost Liam Livingston to Birmingham in the draft. And they were pretty desperate not to lose the whole identity of the Manchester team. So I think from the outset, there is recognition of how you grow that tribal side of it. And that is through having your local players, but also retaining them and developing a core that the new, that, that new fans can recognise as the years go on. And that certainly happened. And then I think on top of that, and this goes for, so this does go for the One Day Cup as well. And probably, and frankly, all sport. If you've got a winning team, it helps. So we're both sat here talking about our experiences at the Oval this year, but we are talking about a team that won the competition, that won the group, that played very good cricket, um, that even when they didn't win, managed to find a way to tie a game that they went out of. Is it is it working in quite that way at Wells Fire, for example? With granted they're better this year, but you know they don't sell out at, at Cardiff in the same way as they sell out the Oval, for example. You know, possibly not. But um, that guttural thing you talked about was was interesting because there is. 100% a different uptake. Um, that's not to say it's there aren't families at the One Day Cup stuff. I would say that. I mean, New Road certainly, New, New Road really sticks out and that there were a lot, you know, it was very, very well done. They did it as a family day. They used exactly the same match activations as they would use at a blast match. But crucially, speaking to the guys at Worcester, what really helps is that they got to the quarterfinals of the blast and they were at the top end of the One Day Cup group and they had a good side and were winning games and were playing well and and there is, a, you know, despite the departures, a bit of a bit of a feel good with with Giles coming in and a few players coming in now as well. And you know, those things do have to come together, I think. But yeah, it's been interesting. Okay, we've done the hundred, we've done fifty over stuff, we've done a little bit of uh, the test stuff. We've got to talk about county championship. It's back, and we're going to be talking about that very shortly here on following on county cricketer. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. 
It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. This is TalkSport 2. This is following on County Cricketer uh, in conjunction with the cricketer, Nick Friend, as well as myself, John Norman, and Steve Harmison. Still plenty more to come on the show. Actually, we haven't mentioned uh, cricketer. I should actually just mention that £3.99 per month will give you online access to everything. And that's uh, all you can go for a year. £29.99 for a whole year. Of uh, of Nick Friend, George DeBell, and uh, who else? Oh, Nick Housen, Elizabeth Botchby, Sam Morshead, Hugh Turbville, James Coyne. I think that's all. That's, that's good. Just, no, that's I'm just double checking. That's Nick enough. Claire. I'm sure. Somebody else I miss someone. No, I'm I think sure. that's us. Let's hope they're not listening. Whoever they are. <laughs> okay, so the resumption of the county championship. Do you know what? I was exhausted after the last few games. Essex hot on the hills of Surrey. I actually could. I was actually quite pleased. It's so. I find it so nerve wracking. But essentially, we've got the last um, three rounds split over four county championship weeks. On paper, it looks like Essex, if we look at the top of the table before we look at at the bottom, uh, Essex against Middlesex, um, I think that's at home. And um, Surrey take on Warwickshire. Warwickshire, I think we all feel are are out now. Can't really see. I know they've got a game in hand, but I mean, they'd need to really wallop Surrey. It may well happen. Actually, Um, it's interesting. They don't see it that way. When I spoke to Totally I, I did say, what's the vibe? And I mean, they still feel, let's, let's call it on the outskirts of. I mean, yeah, I mean, put it this way. If Hampshire, are, I, I think Hampshire probably more out of it than Warwickshire are, if that's fair. A 50-point yeah. gap in three games. You say, if Warwickshire would win very well, that they wouldn't be too far behind Essex, then suddenly you're... They've got uh, it. Suddenly, they've got a hammer, sorry. They have to hammer, sorry. Hammer. And actually, if they do hammer, sorry, then, then Essex become favourites because... A win for Essex over Middlesex would push them, would, would take them top. And, and if that all, if that all came to pass, which granted is a lot of theoretical stuff going on there, but but John, I mean, uh, you know, don't want to worry the old Surrey faithful, but it's been. Oh, I'm worried. I'm the, worried. The, the break came at a good time for Surrey, didn't it? It did. They it and there aren't obviously. I think there's so two Surrey call players. Call ups for Will but, Jacks and Gus Atkinson didn't particularly come at a good time for Surrey, though. No, but but you know, Gus Atkinson is one of many seamers. At Surrey, and I doubt many or any of them would have played all three anyway. Possibly apart from Kimar Roach, obviously rejoined to replace, which is a great Sean Abbott, great which is a very pleased business. But I'm um, very pleased to see that signing. And also, uh, I think that Doug Bracewell could be a miss for Essex as well. Well, they've they've been supporting Umesh Yadav too. Yeah, um, I would rather have Doug Bracewell. I mean, I might be risking risking whatever he's a. Yeah, he's a very English style bowler, isn't he, mm. Doug Bracewell? Yeah, but and, depends, and he can bat. If it's dry, and if it if we if we get well, if the sun comes out, if we do yeah, get a dry out today, the season, if the dry if it if it does get dry at the end of the season, I know it spins a lot for Essex, but I think Umash Yadav his ability to reverse swing the ball in mm. against English batters who aren't used to that, I think that would be that could be a test, especially five down. You look at teams, I'd imagine get teams five down if he's got a reverse swing and ball in hand, he'd be nearly unplayable. You do. You do also get the odds, and odd is probably the right word. Here. You do get the odds 
nuts Chelsford pitch in September, don't you? Where we're actually for all the Harmer chat. Was it last year or the year before when they beat Northampton a day and a quarter or something at, at Chelsford with very low scores? And, and actually, pitches are interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, pitches are probably one of the least, <laughs> most over talked about things in the sport. But um, there's been so much cricket played that it'd be interesting to see what pitches are like through September. There's been the number of, God, some of the boundaries <laughs> in the one day cup, particularly, were minuscule on one side. And because they've just run out of, space, fresh pitches particularly. I'd be surprised if there's a game played in a fresh pitch between now and the end of the season. It was a, I, you, remember, you, you, might, you might have seen it, you might not, I'm not sure. There was a, a there's sort a of a thread. Yeah. Like, yeah, Meg, yeah, Meg Lay, who's that, part of the... Was that it? Gosta? Gosta? Yeah, so Meg's, Meg's thought, part of the I Gosta thought that was brilliant. It was really it was good. brilliant and insightful for, for anybody who wants to talk or has an interest in, in cricket about how a season is done by ground staff. Yeah. And that was not at one of the, no disrespect to Bristol, not one of the bigger venues. No. Although not one of the bigger venues, but crucially, I think for the, small, for the smaller venues, what it ends up meaning is that you've got fewer decks to start with. Yeah. So I guess it all, I, I'm, I'd, I would say without being groundsman by any stretch, I'd, I'd imagine the carnage sort of evens, evens itself out across all the sides mm-hmm. and then experiencing, you know, as much as the Oval has got those decks on the, you know, by the stands, you obviously can't play a champer game with a three-foot boundary on one side. So <laughs> it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting, which... And obviously, it's not been a particularly dry summer as well, so <laughs> by any stretch. So it'd be interesting to see what those decks play like and who that suits. And and also that first round back after the white ball stuff was quite interesting because it's in, like you don't, you've got no real idea who's better prepped. Do you, you know, guarantee which... guarantee there'll be four or five sides, fifty for five by lunchtime, all yeah. caught it slip or caught behind with trying to play the big whoosh shot that. You know, they'll be, be being used to taking the white ball as opposed to a red one. Yeah, but you'll also probably have your bowler pull up. And, you know, this is one of the, speaking to a few coaches before the 100 start, the bit that they worry about and the bit that they keep their eye on through August is what your bowlers are getting up to when they're not under your, when they're not under your watch. Obviously, their job for that month is to nail their white ball skills and to bowl, and to nail their 20 balls. But you don't want guys to go from bowling 20. I mean, Harmony, you can speak this far better than I can, but you don't want guys bowling 20 balls for a month, going straight back into a yeah. format where they need to bowl 20 overs in a day and do that four days in a row, potentially. Maybe and, that's why we've been seeing a lot of the, the sort of more experienced bowlers play the latter part. The ones that weren't in the 100 play the latter part of the 50 competition. And I think people might have been scratching their heads going, mm. why is he playing? Because we've got no chance of winning. He's well, playing. It's, it's, it's no coincidence the guys who do so well in the 50 over. The, the bowlers who do so well in the 50 over comp. So last year's leading wicket take was Brett Hutton, who I think, I think about saying for like half of his, half of his list day career wickets can be, uh, have come in the last 12 months in last year's comp for this year's comp. Ollie Hannon Dolby is the runaway leading wicket taker in this year's competition. Yeah. And there is well, something. There is, but, but he's more of a red bull ball. Much ball, more of a red so ball, but there is something he's said. He's keeping his loads up. And, crucial, and, and actually, what he said to me as well is that the white ball has swung a lot more this year than the, Duke, than the red jukes. Um, and actually, he said the red cookbar swung more than the red jukes as well. So, what it has allowed a lot of guys to do. So, so guys like Ethan Bamber, Ben Code, Tom Price. Guys you traditionally know from their Red Bull cricket have been able to settle in very easily with the white ball and and not just not dominate, but have a lot bowled a lot of control. I think Ben Code bowled 10 overs in a row, bowled 10 overs straight up at the start, for th- three for 16 in one of the games or something. And what it's allowed guys to do is effectively just just keep just keep ticking on, just keep ticking away, going through your Red Bull skills a lot of the time, particularly with the new ball, because it swung a bit. And then you if you take a couple of wickets early, then actually you can just pull Red Bull spot, Red Bull spots, and no one can really get after you if you're 20 for three after five, for example. So 
you know, Keith Barker took three from the semi-final. Um, probably one of the ones you're referring to there, I mean, in terms of somebody who's not played an awful lot in the comp. And it, yeah, you, you wonder if those guys would be better set. But equally, I think one of the benefits to having a lot of county staff on hundreds backroom teams is that there are people there, particularly where they've used that local, the local link up take over once again. You've got Gus Atkinson playing under Azam Mood as his bowling coach. So there will be a bit of longer term thinking there. And well, I think all you hope is the county is that guys come back having used a bit of their spare time to pick up a red ball and bowl some balls. Well, not even red ball, just bowl enough balls that their body's ready to go again. OK, guys, what about a prediction then? Surrey, uh, Surrey have got to play Hampshire and Warwickshire. Two of their last three games have got a home game against Northampton. I think well, we'll find out whether uh, everybody thinks that Northampton are relegated, but I, I certainly do. Uh, Essex have got to play Hampshire, but they've got the easier running. Uh, Nick Friend still thinks Warwickshire could win it. No, no, I think Essex will win it. I just think Warwickshire say they're not out of it. <laughs> well, I, I'm saying Warwickshire are out of it. Uh, so you're you're tipping Essex to win? No, yes. Yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of the teams will win it. Now I'm going to put me out on Surrey, I there think. There you go. It's quite quite th- that out. <laughs> yeah, I think Surrey, I think Surrey win it. I think they'll, even them playing, having to play Hampshire, I think Surrey have got a lot of depth in their squad. And I think they can cover the fact that players coming back and, and using them. I just think, sorry, I just just too many points, just too many points clear, a half a game clear. And I think that is probably enough at this stage with three games to go, even with the tough games they've got. I think they'll, they'll, they'll just get over the line. Can I come off the fence quickly and say that I think sorry, I win it. Sorry, I've lost two games in two years and one of them was a stag do. Once they'd already won the title up at Lanks. And the other one was the Kookaburra game against Lancashire, where they got, where I think it's safe to say they had the worst of conditions. And as Harvey says there, I think for Surrey not to win it, they have to lose a game. And I'm not convinced that will happen. I think we need to throw weather into the mix. It is September. Say Surrey's game with North Ants, which you'd say would be a banker. Say that's affected. Warwickshire could beat Surrey. But yeah, I mean, what is it? They actually increased their lead over Essex by a few points in those last two matches, didn't they? Anyway, we shall see. Let's look at the bottom of the table because uh, you mentioned Lancashire. that They're not going to play any part in the uh, championship or the title, but they do play two of the teams at the bottom. It's really tough to call. I mean, I think North Ants are down. It's one. I mean, Lancashire, I don't think Lancashire needs worry themselves. I'm, I'm not saying Lancashire are going down. <laughs> I think, um, no, no, no. I'm, I, not, I'm not for a minute saying Lancashire are going down, but they, I think no, they no, play I mean, both Middlesex and Kent. I think Middlesex... Middlesex have got I, I, a game in hand. Middlesex got a game in hand, and if they win that game in hand, I think they're safe. Um, they've got a tough... But, it's not easy. It's not easy to see where that win's coming from. Well, actually, I think Middlesex's trouble is that that they are the least likely team in the... Let's take North Ants out of it for the, for the moment, although even they probably fit into this. Middlesex the least likely team to, to draw because they have not scored the runs. I think they've got. I think they've scored one county championship 100 this season. I think about it, so that was Sam Robson against North Ants. And draws will come into it because you've only got to look at, you know, as I was saying, well, you know, as, um, as I'm sure we'll get onto in Div 2, you know, there have been something like five wins below the top two in the whole comp. So wins are not easy to come, come by. So the game really at this point of the season is make sure you don't lose. But only Kent have lost more games in Middlesex. But you'd say that Kent probably have more runs in the, the Middlesex do. Peter Millard, the overseas player, has gone home. Granted, he didn't have many runs in it this season. He averaged 14 and a half. He's got mid five ducks and have been dropped by the time he you've gone home. And I think from what I understand that trying to bring in an all-rounder, an overseas all-rounder to replace him, but they 
and that's what I'd say. I think if Middlesex can score runs, I think they'll stay up. But and their and their batters, Robson Stone, particularly, have, have had a hit in, in the One Day Cup for the last month, and they'll hope that translates into something. Eskinar's got a good hundreds. It's not scored by rebel runs this year. Ryan Higgins had a very good year in all, in all formats. But they do need, if they don't score runs, they're gambling on winning or losing. And they're away at Essex, and that's not a game on a gamble on particularly. But equally, the kind of game they'll win is the game they won against Warwickshire in their last game, I think it was, which was a low-scoring game where they basically outbowled Warwickshire and scored enough runs. But that doesn't strike me as a particularly sustainable or sort of percentage way of trying to stay up, which is why, say, if they can't score runs, I think Kent will stay up. But if they can score enough runs to win a game, I think they'll be fine. Okay, so I'm not North, quite sure Northampton and Kent for me is to, going to go down. Northampton and Kent for me to go down. Northampton and Kent. Yeah, I think Kent, I think Middle, I think Middlesex. They've got that one game more than Kent, and mm. if they get a draw. Even if they get a draw, they get some. When you say bonus points have been kind hard to come by, but even they'll get the bowling bonus points. Two batting points they managed this year. But they'll get all their bowling points yeah. and. That might just elevate them that little bit further away from from Kent. Northampton have gone, and I fancy Kent to go with them. Lancashire have drawn enough games this season, which suggests you that if they draw two more, they're safe. So that's not a problem. Okay, uh, Division Two coming up here very shortly. But you heard it uh, on following on County Cricketer. Sorry to win the championship. Northampton and Kent to go down, maybe Middlesex, and maybe I think we said win. one of the teams will win. One of the teams will win, and two of the teams will be relegated. Okay, guys, let's turn our attention to Division 2. Durham will, of course, go up. Worcestershire, what a turnaround. Um, uh, We were uh, over on the Cricket Collective, Harmy. We were avoiding seeing if Ashley Giles wanted to talk to us about a month or two ago. It all seemed to be going (laughs) horribly wrong. And uh, and yet here we are, finishing. It's not how you start a tournament. It's how you finish it, of course. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he's calling on some old friends. But um, despite the, uh, the exodus that happened midway through the season, they're actually... One of the form teams in, in county cricket at the moment, aren't they? I'm sure you yeah. are delighted to see that. Yeah, I'm over the moon for Jilo. Um, he did. I tried to get him on the Ashes Inquest and on the county on the on the cricket collective, but uh, I, I quickly sort of said, "Look, I wouldn't bother the way things have you know because the, the the players that were leaving and things that were happening." But slowly but surely, not only are the the building a a group of players there from a multi format point of view, you could argue they've had possibly the best season out of all the counties when it comes to the, the sort of red ball and white ball sides of it. And especially if they go up, I think they will go up because the amount of games that they've won compared to everybody else. It's been a pretty good season for for, for Warwickshire, for Worcester, sorry, for Alan Richardson and for Ashley Giles. And with players leaving, it gives other players a chance to go. I've seen Matty Waite, who he was at Yorkshire at the start of the season. Um, he's all-round qualities impressed me in the sort of pre-season. Then he's gone and had a really good season for Worcester. And he's he seemed to balance the books between the sort of the batting unit and the bowling unit. Got some, you know, some good runs. Um, he's gone under the radar, really. So just somebody I've seen in close quarter for. And uh, I'm pleased he's performed uh, and getting his chance and and delivered this year. And, and fingers crossed from years gone and, and going on, Worcester will keep producing young cricketers. Because next year is going to be really, really tough because I think they will go up. They'll have to recruit well and they'll need a couple of gems to come out of the the academy to, to, to sort of help them. Because that Division 1 next year, with Durham and potentially with Worcester in it, that is a mighty strong Division 1 next year. I tell you what, talking about stories, 
You know, Leicestershire win their game in hand. They're up with Worcestershire uh, in terms of the points. I mean, that would be something, wouldn't it? Considering the 50 over stuff hmm. and the fact that Paul hmm. Nixon left the, the county. Are, are we are we completely discounting Leicestershire, Nick Friend? No, I wouldn't. I mean, there are three There are three teams within a win of Worcestershire, aren't they? Within a win of Worcestershire, so Leicester, Sussex, Glamorgan. Glamorgan narrowly missed out last year as well. I mean, you'd say they're the ones who, I don't know, if, I don't want to say, to say wait their turn, but, you know, you'd say they're due. They, I think once so this time last year, they recruited Shubman Kill, didn't they, for, for a month. I don't think he's going back. Um, but, no, no, I think, well, Leicester would be interesting because Leicester now have got a couple of weeks to stew on a, a cup final as well. You know, and, they, and, in, and in fact, Peter Hanscom, who... Who, let's just say, he's not always had fruitful overseas campaigns, but he's he's been terrific from this year. But he's gone home now because the Shield, not the Shield, I think it's the March Monday Cup starts in late September. So he left. In fact, the morning after the the semi final, so he left on whatever day that was, Wednesday morning. Um, I think quite relieved that it didn't go to reserve day. But Sir Hanscom's gone, which is see half the overseas stable with Wim Mulder still there. They would do brilliantly to go up because, I mean, partly because Leicester start, let's face it, every season as, you know, with no one particularly backing them. But they've had a really good year in a lot of ways. The two opening batters, Rishi Patel, Saul Budinger, are two of the more exciting young players knocking around. I think Patel's, I'm not saying Patel's the first Leicester player to make three, to make hundreds in all three formats for the club. Is that right? Certainly in the same season. Budinger whacks it and they backed him to go out and whack it at the top. It's not always come off. I don't think he's got a champion 100 this season. Obviously, got Ryan Ahmed to come back into the fold. He's been with him and Callum Parkinson in the 100 through August. And um, I think they've recruited a really good replacement of Callum Parkinson who goes to Durham at the end of the year with Liam Travaskis coming effectively mm. straight over in a, I guess, what effectively was a bit of a swap deal. But um, I, I think probably about as like for like as you could get on the circuit those two in terms of skill sets and really sort of fiery, competitive left arm spinners who bowl at a good pace. And, and it's probably better than Parkinson's yeah, a yeah, better so, role that one, too. Yeah. I think they've done really well. Chris Wright would be a big loss for them when he goes to Sussex. I think Chris Wright had the pick of about half the circuit as well when he left, which says, I think, speaks volumes for how good he's been at, at Leicestershire. And Matt Salisbury's back fit, bowled very well for them in the one-day cup semi. Josh Hull's an interesting one. I don't, I don't know if you've seen him at all. I mean, he's, he's a giant 19-year-old left armour who, I think he's taken like 16, 17 wickets to win the one-day cup. I think two or three seams have taken more. He impressed me because he swings it back. Yeah. A, a big tall left armers really tends to, to swing it to bring it right back in. Yeah. But he does. He's got an ability like Topley to bring it back in yeah. when need. So I, I, I wouldn't discount them at all. That's the question. I, mean, the, I think I'll just on Worcester as well. I think what they've done, what has been so impressive with them is that most counties, or to most counties, a lot of sports teams could easily have, frankly, imploded with the. What was it? The July they had. So I think I think I right. So Ashley Giles' first week in the job, he had Pennington, Tongue, and Brown one by one on different days tell him that they were that they were leaving. Not those guys' faults at all. It's the nature of being the last year of your deal, trying to sort your future out. And a new CEO coming in. I think he started on July third. They then went and played the last quarter two days after the that Knotts had announced the Tongue and Pennington deals. There was a fair bit of frustration let's put it like that within the camp at, at at that certainly at that recruitment but to come out of that in one piece not just as a team but as a collective as a collective unit I think Dean Pennington's taken 14 wickets in the two champion games he played since then Pat Brown came back from an injury early to make sure he could be available for the one day cup for Worcester got help and get to the quarterfinals 
was the was their Leeward tick at the blast at the same time while that was going on. Obviously, Josh Tam's been away with England and then with Manchester Originals. Jack Haynes has been injured, but he's just back now as well. He's off to Notts too. Um, and I think we're expecting we're expecting Ben Cox to join Leicester. But by all accounts, they're all very much on the same page, and that's they've not lost any. Everyone's still in the same direction, which I think is a pretty impressive feat, given the number of instances you've seen this year and in previous years where guys actually got on loan to their future future teams. But Worcester have decided they've got all this stuff to play for, whether it's whether it was one day cup campaign, whether it's promotion now. I think you're pretty sure you'll see Pennington and Tongue if available to the end and Jack Haynes if he's back fit because they're a better team with those three. And for a club who mainly produced their own, those three have all come through the academy. Those lads will want to sign them off with a promotion to Division One. Um, and I think also for Alan Richardson, who I think they're all very grateful to. I think Richardson's done a brilliant job. He was a novice, he'd never been a head coach before this season, uh, minus a month or two is during the one day cup when Alex Kidman was with Birmingham, I think. To keep all, to keep the show on the road as he's done it, particularly at a counter where he's effectively the polling coach as well. We've got such a lean structure there that to have kept the show on the road as he's done, to keep them in contention across three fronts, as Harvey says, to, to be the front runners going into a promotion race that frankly, before the season, you probably wouldn't have tipped them for. Is a really, really impressive feat, I think. Yeah. Bear in mind yeah. they've been without Brett Oliveira as well, the shoulder injury for who's their captain for the last month or so as well. I don't know what his status is. But um but yeah, I think they've been I think they've been a really, really impressive organization in in the face of a lot of disorganization, if that makes sense. And and with Giles on board, they're they're a much better unit than they were. From what I understand, Giles made a massive difference straight away. Rob Jones is coming from Lanks, knew him from Lanks. Ethan Brooks who's coming from Warwickshire, knew him from Warwickshire. Tom Taylor's a brilliant signer. Like, he's one of the very, very good county cricketers, hard-hitting all-rounder. Whacked a couple of whacked a hundred in the one-day cup against Worcester, actually. And I'm sure they'll recruit a couple more guys as well. Between, I think Logan Van Beek they've got on as an overseas for the next two champion games too. So they're sowing the seeds for whatever that future looks like without those guys. I mean, and they've they've done really well. Brilliant stuff. Uh, and what uh, games will you be at over the next seven days, Nick? Friend, bearing in mind this show goes out on Friday. Uh, good old question, that. Um, I, I suspect I'll be at Chelmsford for Essex Middlesex. What uh, about you, Harmy? What's your movement over the next seven days? Pop, I think I'm going to pop to Durham to watch Durham against uh, Sussex at some point. I've got to go to the club. I was there last night for the T20. Tell you what, it was an amazing atmosphere. The, the crowd, it was mm, fantastic. It was a brilliant crowd. Speaking to the people in the in the hospitality bits when I was going around doing my job, there was a lot. I don't, I don't want to finish on another negative note. But so many people have gone, why are we not getting more cricket up here in the northeast when we can put a show on like we did? It's hard to disagree with them after what I've seen last night. Mm, well, I'm not going to disagree with you, Harmy. <laughs> um, I'll be heading to the Oval at some point. My family are going on Sunday. My mum and dad. My dad's doing my dad's a tour guide at the Oval and he's he's doing his he's got his own personal tour. He's uh, he's taking some old friends around uh, the Oval, so that should be good for them. Hopefully it's uh, sunny. Um, But we'll be back after uh, the next round of county championship games at some point uh, towards the back end of next week. But thanks for uh, coming back and listening to us here on uh, TalkSport 2 and via the following on feed. You are and have been listening to following on County Cricketer. 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. 
and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. At TalkSport, we absolutely love it when our fans get stuck in. That's why we want you to join us in The Dugout, a brilliant new TalkSport listener community. It's the place where you can tell us what sports you're into and who your favourite teams are. And tell us what you think we could do better, like big guests and new sports and that. You could win an Amazon voucher for taking part. What are you waiting for? Visit talksport.com slash dugout and get stuck in. 18 plus, terms and conditions apply.